It's time now for Bible Talk. Join our hosts, Gary Gibbs and John Bradshaw, speakers for the Amazing Facts Ministry, as they now open the Bible and discuss themes that affect your life today. Stay tuned, because the next 15 minutes will deepen your understanding of God's Word. Hi, friends, and welcome again to Bible Talk. I'm John Bradshaw, and with me is Gary Gibbs. Hi, Gary. Hi, John. I have been waiting with anticipation to get back to this program because we left off at a very interesting point last time talking about the Antichrist. You outlined several identifying characteristics of the Antichrist right from the Bible, and you kind of left me and our listeners hanging as to who is the Antichrist. You know, this is an important subject. Some people would have you think it's not really vital. You don't need to understand it. You don't need to study this thing at all. But you just take a look in Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 14. The Bible says in the last days there'll be this this prophetic beast. It will have a mark. Anyone who receives the mark of the beast cannot possibly be saved. This is a subject of the utmost importance. In fact, there in Revelation 13, it's probably one of the strongest warnings found in all the Bible. It says, those who follow the beast, receive his mark, or worship the image to the beast, will receive the unmitigated wrath of God. In fact, I think that's the sternest warning message you're going to find in all of sacred scripture. Yeah. And, and so the question is, who is this beast? How do we understand what it is? It, it, I think many people are pretty common with what the generally accepted view is today. Now, you showed us last time that the generally accepted view really isn't biblical because I was taught as I became a Christian that the Antichrist would be a single individual in the last days who would be anti-Christian. It would attack and persecute the Christians and would be a Jew, and all sorts of things. And maybe we can come back to that in more detail. But you really kind of ripped that to shreds when you took us to Daniel 7 and showed that the little horn, which is the Antichrist, is really not a single individual at all. Yeah, and I would encourage anyone to, to, to try for a moment to let go of anything that isn't biblical and cling to everything that is biblical. Because what you discover when you get into Daniel chapter 7 is that the Bible lays down a foundation that should you stand on it, you're going to be solid. Listen, it says in Daniel 7, Daniel had a dream. He saw four beasts. He goes on and tells us what these beasts are. Okay, Daniel 7, 17, the four great beasts are four Kings. Kings, right. And verse 23 makes it even clearer. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom. Okay, so take that. A beast in Bible prophecy represents a? A kingdom. Right. Now, now don't take that too far. Uh, just because the lion there represents the kingdom of Babylon doesn't mean every time in the Bible you read about a lion, it's dealing with the kingdom of Babylon. But in prophecy... This is a symbol, a beast that represents a nation. So this is within the realm of prophecy now. Okay, so now how does that tie to the Antichrist? Well, we looked at the fourth beast, which was the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. Bible says it had ten horns, corresponding, interestingly enough, to the toes on the uh, statue, the image in Daniel chapter 2. See, the Roman Empire would divide up into ten nations. And then the Bible says the little horn would come up out of one of those nations. You remember that? That's right. And we saw last time that it came up out of the fourth beast, which was Rome. 
And so it has its roots in Rome. That's that's right. I wonder whether we should take a moment and run through those identification points. Let's do that. Let's do it quickly, and then let's come back and see historically how this has been interpreted by different interpreters through time. Okay, now understand, we're going to take these uh, identification points from Daniel chapter 7, verses 8, 24, and 25. We've done it already on Bible Talk. and now so you mean Daniel 7, 24, and 25? What did I say? You said Daniel 8. I, I was just said that to see if you were listening. Okay, I'm awake. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> see, that's why, we, that's why I have you here, Gary. Keep All right. straight. So Daniel 7, 24, verses 24 and 25. Yeah, thank you very much. Seven, chapter 7, verses 8, 24, and 25. Very good. And so you, you can go there and read that, that passage. Okay. We found out that this uh, little horn, well, it would be little. Mm-hmm. Okay. It would rise up after the other 10 horns, meaning that it would rise after the year 538 AD. Because that's when Rome fell and was divided into these ten nations of Western Europe. Mm-hmm. And it comes up after Rome fell, obviously. Right. The tenth nation, or the last of those nations, was set up in 476. Okay. Rome would come along after them. All right. Uh, it would uh, destroy three of those ten horns. All right. It would rise in Western Europe. That's very important. So we've got a, a time factor. We've got a geographical location. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be different from the other nations somehow. In it would be eyes like the eyes of a man. And we've said that we think that means that there would be a man at the head of this thing. Who sees for it. Sure, that's okay. a good way to put it. It would speak great words against God. And as a matter of fact, over in Revelation chapter 13, it, it flat out says great words and blasphemies. This is a blaspheming power. Okay. Okay. It persecutes the people of God, wears out the saints of the Most High. It would think to change times and laws, and then it would reign for a time, times, and half a time. Compare that with Revelation 12, and you find right there it gives that time period in two different ways. Time, times, and the dividing of time and 1260 days. Now, what does that mean? That's Isn't that the three-and-a-half-year period that, that the Antichrist reigns, like the first part of the tribulation or the second part of the tribulation? I can see we're going to have to do a study sometime soon on that whole tribulation subject. It says in Revelation chapter 12 it would rule. That's how long it would rule, mm-hmm. you see. Then when you look at prophecy, you say, okay, the beast represents a kingdom, the horns are nations, and so on. What do these days represent? And it's a well-established principle of prophetic interpretation that in Bible prophecy, a day equals a year. It's like when you look at a map then, on, on a map, one inch equals so many miles. Sure, quite right. So in symbolic prophecy, the time is symbolic of a day equals a year. That's right. So 1,260 days would therefore be 1,260 years. Yeah, now just in case someone's saying, now that's new to me. Well, it really isn't new because I, I remember this when you study the 70 weeks of Daniel 9. Exactly. Everybody takes that as a day for a year because you come out with 490 years. Seven that's right. days to a week times 70 weeks, 490 days, and everybody applies that because it's focusing on Jesus, 490 years. And everyone you know takes that 70th week 
and says, well, that's the seven years of tribulation because the days in that week represent a year. Oh, yes, that's right. So let's be consistent now. 1,260 days, that'd be 1,260 years. So there are the, well, there's 10 identification marks. In fact, I wrote them all down. And so, so I'm getting a picture here. Okay. Okay. It's it's a, a little kingdom starts out little, but it really grows large. It comes up after 476 A.D. Uh, so it's right after Rome falls. As it comes up, it takes out three kingdoms. Now, do those three kingdoms not exist today? They don't exist. And history anchors them as being the Heruli, the Ostrogoths, and another kingdom known as the Vandals. They're gone. And why don't they exist anymore today? Because this little horn utterly destroyed them. History shows that what took place was when the little horn came into some sort of prominence, these three nations disagreed with her doctrine. And so the little horn... So it was religiously based. Yet that's right. That's another interesting thing about this. When you look at this, you've got to come to the conclusion that it is a a, a thing of a religious orientation. Mm-hmm. It's it's persecuting God's people, changing times and laws. It is um, uh, uh, what was that it other one right there? Blasphemy right? claims to be claims to be God. That's right. So that's what makes it a different kingdom than the other kingdoms. Yeah, and and, and it rules for twelve hundred and sixty years, starting shortly after four seventy six A.D. That's right. So it rules for a long time. It seems like we ought to be able to figure out who this is. John, probably better minds than ours have looked at this before. As different people look at these things, what do they come up with? What do they say it is? And, and I recognize we're going to look at a variety of different opinions here. Yeah. And so what, maybe you want to kind of pre-warn us a little bit about what people say this is. Well, you know, some people are going to say that's Nero, but it can't be Nero. Mm-hmm. Others have said the the you know the off the wall things like Reagan and Kissinger and 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 uh, uh, Proctor and Gamble, but that doesn't hold any water at all. You've got others who have who have said you know this is Saddam Hussein or a Jew in the Middle East or some Romanian guy, but that doesn't work either. Let's go back and 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 I want to say that I I want to share this with as much respect and tact as I can. But let's look at this historically. That's what we're doing. We're just looking at what history says, yeah. and then we're going to look at other views other than some of these that you're mentioning right away, because there are many views on this. Yeah. Now, uh, go back with me. It's October in the year 1517. Mm-hmm. A young German monk named Martin Luther nails what became known as the, the 95 Theses on the door of the castle in Wittenberg, Germany. These were his protests against the errors of the Church of Rome or the Vatican City. He disagreed with Rome on a number of points and came to the conclusion that it was the Vatican City that fulfilled all ten of these identification points. Wow. That's what Luther believed. In fact, all of the Protestant reformers believe that unanimously. Now, do they still believe that today? Well, what's interesting is that all ten of those identification points do square with the Vatican City. There's no doubt about that. All right. But today, where once there was a lot of unanimity on the subject, or total unanimity, today, Gary, you really don't get people teaching that and preaching that. It seems like there's been a move away from that. Mm. Now, now, how did that happen, okay? Because I, I could see where the Protestants would come up with that. You know, it comes up out of Rome. The papacy came to life, really, officially became a church-state power. A lot of these things line up, but 
why do others not agree with that? What 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 have they come up with? Well, the short version of the story is this. You know, the Counter-Reformation was launched. Rome said, we don't like people saying this about us. Let's look at these prophecies and see whether we can spin them another way. Okay. And so they commissioned a couple of their brightest minds, and one of them, a man named Alcazar, took these same prophecies and recast them in the past. Mm. We received from him a system of interpreting prophecy called preterism, pre-terism, mm-hmm. pre-it all happened before. Mm-hmm. Another fellow named Ribera said, well, well, I'm going to give you the idea that it all happens way down in the end of time. Okay. And ultimately, eventually, this became popular. Uh, John Nelson Darby came to this country and started the Plymouth Brethren. He popularized it a little bit. Cyrus Schofield got hold of these ideas, put them in the Schofield Reference Bible. Then you had people like Hal Lindsey popularizing them in the late great planet Earth. Some of the uh, most prominent theological seminaries in this country adopted those ideas and started teaching as evangelical Protestant theology, theology that had its birth in the Church of Rome. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting, but it sounds like we've got a lot of study to do. There's a lot of study to do. Because you've presented the traditional historical view of not only the Protestants, but the Catholics, and now evangelical Christianity. I want to study more. I'm sure our listeners do. What do we do, John? You've got to get the study guide. We're going to offer this to you in a moment. Call the toll-free number. And join us again next time. There's more here on Bible Talk. If you'd like more information on what we've been studying today, we have a comprehensive Bible study guide we'd love to share with you that's absolutely free. This study includes many of the texts we've just discussed and expands on the subject, including information you'll want to know. To receive this free informative Bible study guide, simply call, write, or email and ask for BT115. Antichrist is alive today. The toll-free number is 866-BIBLE-SAYS. That's 866-242-5372. You can write to us at Bible Talk, P.O. Box 1058, Roseville, California, 95678. Or email us at BibleTalk at lifetalk.net. Bible Talk has been produced in association with Amazing Facts in the studios of Life Talk Radio.